1: Betting landscape from coast to coast. This is betting across America on VCN, the Sports Betting
2: Network. We continue betting across America, presented by MGM. Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook in Las Vegas, joined of course by Wes Reynolds over at Mandalay Bay. And uh, Wes, I thought that was a very interesting conversation. Again, I just want to piggyback off the sportsbook manager, Mike Peranio. We got a big boxing match. We got UFC in town tonight at UFC Apex. For the you know, Amal Shaw asked me in the, the show leading up to this in betting across America with Femi, hey, you know, what advice would you give to, to young people getting into this space here, Wes, and really trying to maybe they haven't bet on uh, combat sports before? Go to a fight. Like, go to a fight and see what it entails to win a fight before you just look at the numbers and find those pathways. Because I do think that you get a different appreciation when you're in person to a live sporting event like combat sports that maybe because you don't need to really get that with the NFL or the NBA or baseball, more of the traditional sports. I think some of the individual sports, when you go to some of those events, Wes, you get a different feeling for how somebody could win those fights. And, again, uh, getting ready to start that uh, card tonight here in UFC, UFC Apex here. uh, Jack Hermanson, the main event, against Sean Strickland later on this evening. Uh, Let's get to some coaching carousel news in the NFL And really how it might affect when you look at uh, Super Bowl odds for next year. Because, again, those are all going to come out. And some of them have already come out for next year here. And you look at who's going to be leading them. And, of course, right here in Las Vegas, we start with John Gruden, who is out. Josh McDaniels is in. The Jaguars, of course, they had Urban Meyer. That did not go very well. Doug Peterson, a former Super Bowl champion coach from Philadelphia, is in. You see Nathaniel Hackett taking over for Vic Fangio there, going defense to offense. And then in Chicago, they go the reverse. They go offense to defense, going from Nagy to Eberflus there. You see a couple jobs still open. Kevin O'Connell uh, looks like he's going to get that job. It cannot be a made official until after the Super Bowl. Of course, he is running the Rams offense right now to replace Mike Zimmer. And Brian Dable, uh, we know, is replacing Joe Judge in New York. Look, it has not been a smooth transition. For the NFL in this postseason with some of their hiring practices. I'm sure Roger Goodell will have to address that uh, this week here as he gets out to Los Angeles. But when you look at some of those new coaches, normally it doesn't correlate to instant success here, Wes. When you look at some of those names, are there any that might say, all right, I'm going to trust this coach to get this team back in order? Because when you're taking over, that means something has gone wrong with the previous administration.
1: Yeah, in terms of the hires, just on first glance, and this isn't, as you say, immediate success, so you may not see it right away, but the hire that was made most recently, I do like the Doug Peterson hire in Jacksonville. I think Mm -hmm. it makes sense. They do have salary cap money, so maybe they can get free agents down there. You're getting a Super Bowl ring winning coach. You're getting a guy that was part of the Andy Reid coaching tree, was his offensive coordinator before he went to Philadelphia, Doug Peterson. So you're getting a guy that is at least has some proven success and won a Super Bowl reign, mind you, with a backup quarterback in Nick Foles because remember Carson Wentz got hurt that year Mm -hmm. when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So you're getting a guy that I think is an offensive guy that Trevor Lawrence needs. Trevor Lawrence is your best resource in terms of a player on that football team, the number one pick in last year's draft. So you got to get a guy that's got proven success with quarterbacks, and I think Doug Peterson does. Doug Peterson obviously spent many years as a quarterback in this league. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, at least on the surface, would be a team that I think you're at least going to see instantaneous improvement. I'm not saying improvement in terms of, you know, winning the division or right. even even making the playoffs, but I think that they're going to be better. And just, you know, the whole Urban Meyer thing just didn't work out down there. Now you've got a new guy who I think has a little bit of gravitas because this is a guy that players are going to look at and say, hey, this guy's won a Super Bowl ring. This guy was a former player in this league. And I think those guys might get a little bit more respect than maybe some coaches that don't, not necessarily exclusively true but when you got a guy that's been where you've been as a player there's a different kind of way that you look at him here so I think Doug Peterson will get the benefit of the dad I do like that hire for Jacksonville Uh, I obviously like the Brian Dable hire for the Giants where uh, Bill Belichick kind of spilled the beans that that was going to be the hire based (laughs) on the tax exchange with Brian Flores. Of course, we've now found that out. But Brian Dable was a guy that, you know, he interviewed last year for jobs too, didn't get him. Because usually if you're kind of that hot coordinator, Dave, you've got to be able to interview for jobs, get your name out there. Maybe you're not the first candidate, but at least you've gotten your names out there and people get the word gets around the league and the other teams. Yeah, this guy was really good in the interview. Now, we were looking for something different, but this guy's got the capability to be a successful head coach in this league. So, Brian Dable, look, we've seen what he did with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Had one of the best offenses in the league. So, I do like the Brian Dable hire. I also like the Kevin O'Connell hire, which, as you mentioned, is not – official until the Super Bowl 56 is concluded and then he can go ahead and and go to the press conference in Minneapolis and he'd be announced as the Minnesota Vikings head coach but this is a guy that was a former quarterback in the league he's a very young coach too so you know I like you know maybe a team that kind of needs some youthful energy and you have Kirk Cousins I believe has one year left on his deal actually two years but Minnesota can get out I Mm -hmm. believe after next season if they elect to do so so look Kirk Cousins, you're giving him a chance here and you've got a pretty good offense with Cousins and with Justin Jefferson and Thielen and, and Cook. So you've got the weapons there. So they went the opposite. And that's what you often see with these head coaches, Dave, when you go with the defensive guy like Mike Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Zim was the defensive guy. Then you go the opposite. Or if you had an offensive guy where it's like, well, we got to shore up our defense and you saw the Chicago Bears do that getting Matt Eberflus from the Indianapolis Colts.
2: Yeah, it's normally the way you go, right? If it didn't work the way the one guy had it with. His- system and it might have been a different philosophy. Then you go the direct opposite. Let's we'll see how those dominoes fall again. Later on this hour, Adam Hill is going to join us from the Las Vegas review journal. So we'll talk about Josh McDaniels, uh in more detail because Wes, it is fascinating when you look at the trees, right? And the bill Belichick tree really didn't work out a lot. When you look at the Romeo Cornell's and the Charlie Weiss, right. Josh McDaniel, the first time around in Denver didn't go well. So we'll talk about him 2.0, but I want to get back to the McVay tree. Because you mentioned here, we know Kevin O'Connell more than likely will be the next one of the McVay tree here to become another head coach. And it was easy, and I think even I fell into the trap a little bit less of saying, oh, touched by McVay, let's go ahead and get the next boy genius. It's actually starting to work out when you look at the Super Bowl and you see Zach Taylor there, his old offensive coordinator, not old, much younger than me, mm-hmm. right? But it is seeming to work that the offensive philosophies – That a lot of the people that have come under the McVay tree, it's working so far. Is that because of the new day and age that the NFL is in that defense? Yeah, you still have to play it, but it's offense first. Defense, it's almost like a plus if you get that too.
1: Well, I think it is, and I think you hit it right there, Dave. We know that the rules in terms of how they're officiated and policed in the league are certainly more in favor of offense, and as you get more, you know, the fantasy football and you Mm -hmm. get more sports betting, really, quite frankly, you know, people want to see points. People don't like defensive battles. I do, but then again, I'm a crazy person, Dave. (laughs) So, you know, we know that. I'm half nuts. So I love 13-10 games, to be honest with you. I don't like these 41-38 where there's no defense defense. I don't want it to become too much like the college game where these college games take like four and a half hours because it's constant scoring and constant stopping of the clock. But to your point, that's why you're getting a lot of these offensive minds I think and I think Sean McVay more of an offensive guy and you mentioned Zach Taylor of course who uh, one of his former legis he's going to take on Matt LaFleur worked with Sean McVay Brandon Staley worked with Sean McVay Jed Fish Jed Fish is an old veteran coordinator Jed Fish is now in the college game though at University of Arizona trying to rebuild that program down in Tucson but That's what you're seeing. You're seeing. And a lot of these guys have had immediate success, at least, you know, winning records. Uh, You know, Brandon Staley did team did have a winning record this year, didn't make the playoffs. But, you know, Zach Taylor now in the Super Bowl, I believe this is just his third season. And then, of course, Matt LaFleur, he has had a lot of success. And Aaron Rodgers certainly has had a lot to do with that. But I think that there is there is a lot of points there. I mean, and when one guy has success, then you go the other way, because what do they often say about the nfl in terms of like what you run or how you operate in certain ways it is a copycat league so if you see one or two guys on that mcveigh staff have success then you're going to go that way when you brought up the belichick point though the thing about some of these guys that have not been as successful leaving the the jedi master if you will (laughs) bill belichick is that one time, uh, Rick Venturi, who is a former assistant, I remember speaking with him one time. He was on his staff in Cleveland. He says, Bill Belichick makes you just the right amount of uncomfortable. Oh. Just the right amount of uneasies. Not a real screamer or a ranter and raver, but you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like, man, this guy could shit me out of town really quickly. So I've got to have that same sense of urgency and that same obsession with winning and success that Bill Belichick does. And I think maybe the second time around, I would kind of agree with Michael Lombardi when he said this a few days ago on on Lombardi line, and he was on with us, that you know, Josh McDaniels, I do think, is going to be more prepared this time around to be a head coach. Maybe it was too early, and it didn't work out for him in Denver. So go back to the Jedi Master, get some counseling, get some tutelage. I think this time around should be a little bit more successful.
2: Yeah, and again, I mean, obviously, Matt Patricia didn't work out in Detroit, but Mike Vrabel is working out pretty well so far in Tennessee. So there are some levels of success and or disappointment from that Belichick coaching tree very quickly of the six hires so far. And again, we still have three to go only one defensive minded head coach. And that's Matt Eberflus now taking over the bears. When people are going to start looking at those prop scenarios for next year, those futures rather, and they go bears to win the North, right? If Aaron Rodgers isn't there, who knows what happens in green Bay. Do you like Eberflus enough enough coming from the Colts that you think, yeah, we can trust this guy. To fix the defense wasn't that broken, but he's going to make it even better.
1: I think even Blues is a solid hire there, but obviously the key for the Bears is going to be Justin Fields, who essentially is going to be a full-time rookie starting quarterback. He only had a few starts this year, so you're getting your first year with this guy. The only thing, the thing that really has to happen, though, in Chicago is that you've got to help that offensive line out. you got to protect your best asset, and the Bears did not do a good job of that this year.
2: No, they did not. Again, we'll talk to Adam Hill a little bit later on about the Raiders and Josh McDaniels 2.0 this time around as a second shot at a head coach we come back, some wide receiver props that are wide open out there for Super Bowl 56. Wes and I'll break those down. Come on back. Betting
0: Across America on Beason, The sports Betting Up. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
1: The SPORTS BETTING NETWORK.
2: GETTING READY TO WATCH THE BIG GAME? WELL, OF COURSE YOU ARE. WE WANT TO MAKE SURE VEASAN IS A PART OF YOUR PLANS ON CHIP Chip WEEKEND. NEXT WEEKEND WE'RE GOING TO HAVE 56 HOURS OF FREE VIDEO COVERAGE ON VEASAN.COM, LEADING UP TO OUR 6TH ANNUAL LIVE BIG GAME BETCAST. IT'S THE BIGGEST GAME OF THE YEAR, SO MAKE PLANS NOW. GO JOIN THE VEASAN BETTING EXPERTS BEFORE, DURING AND AFTER ALL THE ACTION ON VEASAN.COM. Part of those experts, Wes Reynolds, who joins me right now from Mandalay Bay. I am Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook. Let's get into some more of those Super Bowl props, my friend. And again, when you look at the wide receiver props in specifics, we're always going to narrow in on Cooper Cup. It's become almost ridiculous when you look at his yardage, right? Because last week before the title game, I believe it was 100 and a half. And you go, I'm going to take the over on a wide receiver, just booking him for a century mark plus. Yeah. He got it easily. It's even higher for the Super Bowl now, Wes. It's at 102 and a half for the receiving yards prop for Cooper Cutch. Cut The uh, reception number is eight and a half. And again, you can get plus money if you like the over there, plus 105. And the longest reception here, 27 and a half. Before we go down the list here, I just want to start off with Cooper. When does it get too high? When is the number two Big West that you say, you know what? He might get there, but the value has gone
1: honestly it's probably already inflated to be honest with you because uh look uh I think Cup is going to be, and I would lean a little bit on that under. I project him a little bit closer to eight receptions, but it is going yeah, to, like I said, I would wait on it. It's right now at juiced at minus 140. That will see over support because people will bet the Cup uh, props, I think, really across the board. And, look, you're not going to find, I think, a lot of value if you're wanting to go Cup over. If I was going to go with an over here, and I just still might, I'd go over the longest reception being, what was that, 27 and a half yards? 27 and a 120? Yes. Yeah. That's where I would, I would be looking at because, look, this is not a guy that's really like a deep threat, obviously. A lot of his stuff, a lot of his work is underneath. This is not a guy that, you know, you line up on the sideline, say run a go route or a streak route down the sideline and he's going to get a big gain down the field, but he is really good after the catch, getting 6.2 yak per reception, so... When you get this volume and when he is such a volume receiver in terms of the amount of receptions, you want to see that he can get yards after catch and get you those extra yards where it might be like a 12 to 15 yard route and then all of a sudden he's getting a lot of yards after the catch. So I actually do kind of like the over 27 and a half yards on the reception. I think he's gone over that mark in like 15 of 20 games this season. So the median average I believe has been 36 when you look at longest reception in terms of all of his games. So I think there's still a little value there. There's not going to be as much value in terms of, like, receptions, in terms of yards. There may end up being value, actually, if you go on the under, if this keeps rising. Because, like, we've been talking about all program here – The overs on these high-profile players are going to get bet Mm -hmm. on the props, especially with new money, Super Bowl 56. Now that we have multiple jurisdictions, now that we have New York State involved, add to that New Jersey and all the states in the Midwest, Illinois, Indiana, and then down south, Louisiana, more and more states getting involved. So you're going to get more handle here, not just in Las Vegas, but across the country. And what are these new bettors that have never been able to play legal sports bets before? What are they going to do? They're going to bet overs. That's they're not right. going to bet unders.
2: Yeah. And again, you look at his numbers and they're absolutely staggering. And I, sometimes you look at numbers and we get blind to him, Wes, because that's what we look at, what we do for a living. But when you get 1947, and I know there was an extra game added this year, and you're averaging 114 and a half yards per game, it's absolutely astounding what Cooper Cup has been able to do and accomplish this year. Let's go to his complimentary receiver. I can't believe we're saying that with the name of Odell Beckham Jr., who still might one day end up in Canton, Ohio. I mean, that's the the talent that this guy has. But when you look at Beckham now, and the prop here is 64.5 for the over-under, number of receptions, and this is where it can get a little bit tricky. He's not really a high-volume guy, so 5.5 is where that number is. But the longest reception at 23.5, it feels like, hey, you know he still has speed, and you know he can still get there either if it's from the slot or get there out on the edge if, if Cooper Cup takes a couple away. What do you make of his numbers? Because I know you like him maybe as a sneaky MVP, and to that end, maybe you would look at a couple overs in this scenario.
1: Yeah, Beckham did have nine for 113 in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers, but if you take the other two games out, he had, uh, I believe, a uh, 10 for 123. Combined. so. That's more in line with what you see as the prop here because oftentimes what you see is if somebody had a big game previously, that gets priced into the Super Bowl prop if they had a really big game in one of the two conference championship games. So you're not really seeing that as much. I think this is kind of a little right around the average, a little bit of tax into that. where I think he averaged the other two games that were not NFC championship games. I think averaged just a little bit over 60. So seeing 64 and a half in terms of the catches, that was five. So you get the little extra half catches attacks here. So it has been adjusted, but I think it's been adjusted, right? I don't think it's been overly adjusted here from this standpoint.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of, if I were to play it, and again, you saw it uh, plus 110, if you like the over. So again, I actually like the under, I would lean to the under there, to your point, Wes, that maybe the the aberration, the outliner, was the nine against San Francisco, and really he's closer to a three or four catch guy. But sometimes they can be for big plays here. So, again, um, you might not be scared away from the 23-and-a-half for the longest reception, but the number of receptions is maybe where I would give the, uh, the word of caution out there to the casual better. Let's look at the other side here for the Bengals. And when you look at Jamar Chase, and my goodness, he and Joey B., these two have taken it from LSU right to Cincinnati and no drop off there. 80 and a half is his yardage prop here. The number of receptions, the same as Odell Beckham Jr., five and a half, with the longest reception being 27 and a half, which is also identically, ironically, the same number as Cooper Cup. Now, when I look at that five and a half here, Wes, I kind of do like the over a little bit here because you and I have watched this offense. How many bubble screens are they going to run for one? at what, book it for two, right? So you know you're going to get a couple of those where they just try to get the ball in his hands for some cheapy receptions here. The receiving prop is, is a tougher one for me to gauge and certainly that longest reception. But the receptions, don't you believe that Zach Taylor is going to go at some point, I got to get number one involved and I got to get him involved early and often.
1: Well, he's got 20 receptions here in the three playoff games, 27 targets, by the way. So they're targeting him nine times a game, 279 yards in the three playoff games. So that's an average of about 93 yards, only with the one touchdown so far in in the playoffs. So, yeah, I I think in terms of the targets, it's going to be increased because he is going to try a lot of those bubble screens or, you know, maybe see if Joe Burrow can get out of the pocket like he did in the second half, and that could perhaps give him give him more targets and and get him involved because you can't have burrow i think just like stay in the pocket where they're at second or third and long and the rams defense the number one pass rush rate in the nfl in terms of winning at the line of scrimmage you can't have them just like tee off on this guy so they got to get Burrow out of the pocket and that's going to help Chase and that's probably going to help Higgins and Boyd as well if he can get on the move a little bit even though Joe Burrow is very good against the Blitz I think he was number one in the league against the Blitz this year so he can beat him if the Rams try to do that but the Rams are one of those teams too they don't necessarily need to Blitz to get pressure on the opposing quarterback they can get home with their front four Tom Brady found that out in the uh, a divisional round game.
2: I think it's a very astute observation. Think about how bad the Bengals offensive line, the perception that it is, and it's not good, right? I think it might be a little bit better than the perception, but certainly not a strength of this football team. And for Joe Burrow to be the best against the blitz, that is rather a, an amazing statistic here for Joey B and shows you that he can stand there under fire. T Higgins, right? This is the other guy that doesn't get a lot of the flair and the conversation like Jamar chase does. His prop is 69-and-a-half, same number of receptions for the prop at five and a half, and the over or the longest reception, 24-and-a-half. Boy, did he shine late in that second half last week in the AFC title game and really quiet as kept. He, he was maybe arguably uh, as big an impact as Joey Burrow was in that second half. What do you make of T, uh, and we don't know where Jalen Ramsey's going to go here, if he's going to stay on one side – if he's going to flow and pick up different receivers. What do you make of T. Higgins in this ballgame?
1: Yeah, and I wonder about that, too, and it was Higgins in that AFC Championship game in Kansas City that became the big option and kind of a big play threat down the field. I thought maybe it was going to be Tyler Boyd, but maybe I was a little bit early on Tyler Boyd, and I was a week early. That's kind of what we get with golf futures. It's like, you bet a guy, and then he doesn't win the week you bet him, and then a week or two weeks later, he goes ahead and wins, so maybe this is the time, I think, for Tyler Boyd, because I think now they've kind of went to school on Higgins a little bit, and like you say and that's a very good point by you that Jalen Ramsey could be moving around a little bit. So that's going to open it up perhaps for the number three receiver, that being Tyler Boyd.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And again, they have such an abundance of really good quality receivers for the Bengals. They'll see see where number five Jalen Ramsey is and maybe go away. So it's really hard to try to navigate It doesn't just mean that Jalen Ramsey is going to be on Jamar Chase. People, I think you're going to see him a lot on T. Higgins as well, because again, he was a very stealth weapon that the Chiefs could not account for last week in that AFC title game. Okay, going to take a quick timeout here. When we come back, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal is going to join us. We'll talk about Josh McDaniels and maybe the future and some prop scenarios for the Raiders next year. If we should start thinking about putting some money on Las Vegas, come on back. Betting across America, I'm Deason, the sports betting number.
0: This is Betting Across America on VSIN,
1: the Sports Betting Network.
2: The best place to get all the betting insights for the big game. And right now, you can sign up to get our free big game betting guide. This digital guide gives you trends, strategies, props to watch, and tips from all of our experts. Visit slash Super Bowl to get your free guide and get ready for the biggest football betting action of the year. That is actually an understatement. Cannot wait for Super Sunday next week. Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook, rejoined once again by Wes Reynolds over at Mandalay Bay. And it's always a pleasure to have Adam Hill join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Adam, very busy sports weekend here in Las Vegas, obviously with the Pro Bowl going on tomorrow, NHL All-Star game going on. But we do have to start with the signing of Josh McDaniels here as the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders taking over for John Gruden, Rich Rich Passaccia. By the way, we're hearing reports he might end up in Green Bay. How did this come about, Adam? Because it felt like, you know, maybe Jim Harbaugh, Adam Michigan. Was this the guy they wanted Mark Davis and company all along to bring in Josh McDaniels from the Patriots?
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that. I'll just, I'll just point out real quick before we start even that, uh, you know, I, I, you mentioned the big sports weekend. It's crazy. I'm all over the place and so checking out so many things, which is so fun for Las Vegas, to have all this going on, but also one of my best friends in the world, uh, his bachelor party is this weekend. We have like 12 rooms over at the circa. I think I was there until 4 AM before I went over to a pro bowl <laughs> practice this morning. So, uh, so yeah, I'm all, I'm all over the place. Uh, but yes, as far as Josh <laughs> McDaniels goes, uh, that is, that is a big story going on. That was the, uh, the focus early in the week for me and I think just kind of getting to the bottom of it it was actually Dave Ziegler was a guy that they wanted I think Mark Davis has always been intrigued by Josh McDaniels like a lot of teams have around the league for several different reasons Uh, but they talked to Dave Ziegler early in this process uh, who was essentially the the acting general manager for the Patriots obviously Bill Belichick is uh, by title and uh, we know how that organization runs Uh, but Dave Ziegler kind of stepped into that role last year after Casario left he was you know acting in that role even if he was named the director of player personnel and they interviewed him very early on in the process and they loved him. Mark Davis loved him. Everyone else that was involved in the, in the hiring process and the vetting process loved Dave Ziegler. And one of the questions that they asked every single GM candidate was what coaches would you be looking at? Who would you like to bring in as a coach? And Dave Ziegler said, uh, you know, my first and only choice really would be Josh McDaniels. And Mark Davis said, everybody kind of looked around the room and there was a silence And a follow-up question was, well, he's not available. He doesn't want to take a head coaching job. And Dave Ziegler's response was, well, if you hire me as the GM, he'll take it. And so I think that early on in the process was like, oh, okay, this can happen. This could be a possibility. And as they went through, I think they were pretty serious about a couple couple of other candidates. Uh, But I think Mark Davis kind of fell in love with that aspect of – Coach and GM who have defined roles, because they they you know they let John Gruden pick his own GM earlier. They let uh, McKenzie, who was the GM, pick his coach. They've kind of gone in that direction, but they haven't had that real true partnership of two guys who were really strongly capable individually on their own, but also really wanted to work together and had a power structure in mind. And, and he really kind of liked that aspect of this. So um, even though that, that Ziegler interview was early in the process and he talked to a bunch of other people, uh, I think he kept going back to that. Hey, I really like that duo.
1: So, Adam, uh, kind of expanding on what you just said there, do you believe that Ziegler is kind of going to be the guy that's going to be the defined final decision maker in terms of personnel? Obviously, some collaboration involved, but obviously the Raiders did not have that. We knew that John Gruden was the final say Mayock had a certain amount of power, but not the amount of power that you would expect a GM to have.
3: Yeah, and I, listen, that was one of the first questions that I asked uh, to Ziegler. Um, it was asked at the press conference, and I followed up on it in my uh, conversation with him afterwards, and just said, how is the power structure going to work? I mean, you're the GM, and, and I think you would like to you know, have that final say, but obviously you guys are best. Friend. By the way, just uh, for background, I know it's been reported, but um, for people that aren't aware of the situation, uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were college teammates at John Carroll University. Whoa. They've known each other since they were 18 wow. and 19 years old. Um, so so, I mean, they go way back. They are very, very close. Uh, Dave Ziegler kind of went into, you know, the working world. Uh, Josh McDaniels kind of brought him into Denver when he was there. and uh, They've kind of, you know, but separate, but, really working together a lot uh, for these years so, so they have a very strong relationship they're going to collaborate uh, but Dave Ziegler said in no uncertain terms listen Josh is going to tell me what he wants but he doesn't even have to I know what he wants <laughs> we've talked about football every day of our lives for the last 30 years I understand where he's coming from he understands where I'm coming from so we'll have those collaborations but Dave Ziegler said I am the general manager I will make the final decision after those conversations are had and so whether that's just you know he's just saying that because that's the press conference and it's what he's wants to say and that's what he wants to have out there or if it's true I I kind of believe that it's true that Dave Ziggler will make those decisions and from what I kind of gather on Josh McDaniels he doesn't want to make those decisions I I think he wants to just coach football
2: all right sounds like a good starting off point here for Las Vegas Raiders fans Uh, Adam let's talk a little bit about the quarterback situation because when you do bring in Josh McDaniels right we know what he did in New England and obviously he had Tom Brady there for the majority of his time with the Patriots You know, we had Mike Pritchard on when we were talking on Betting Across America earlier this week. He doesn't think it's a slam dunk that you necessarily go back to Derek Carr. Is there a chance, do you think, Adam, that maybe they go a separate way here, quarterback? Or do you think it will be Derek Carr with Josh McDaniels?
3: I don't think it's a slam dunk at all. And I think there's, you know, a couple of different reasons for that. First of all, it's, you know, what better time to kind of hit reset on the franchise than when you bring in a new coach and a GM who have really no ties to the franchise, Uh, but also contractually. I mean, you know, Derek Carr signed a massive contract several years ago at the time. It was the largest contract in NFL history. Now it's an absolute bargain for a quarterback. And you know, you, you look around at his deal. It's one year left on the deal for $19 million. Again, that's a steal. And I'm sure the Raiders would love to have him play for one, one year at 19 million, but at the same time, Derek Carr doesn't want to doesn't want to play one more year on his contract and not have an extension. And I don't know if the Raiders, uh, well, I, I do know the Raiders are in a situation right now where they can move on from this contract very easily. So it, it'd be a good time to do it. Uh, if I was Derek Carr and I didn't get an extension, there's no way I'd show up at training camp. I'd be holding out. There's no question about that. Uh, he wants an extension, so whether he gets it here or somewhere else, somebody's going to have to commit to him not for next year but for the next couple of years. And I don't know that the Raiders are willing to do that but I do think that they want to have a replacement in place. I don't think they'd want to just get rid of him to get rid of him. I mean, he's good enough for sure. He's proven that Um, he, this year, I believe um, was showed more leadership skills than he ever has. So I think that that's a, you know, a really big part of the equation when you look at, uh, you know, moving on and moving forward. But um, I think they're going to do what they've done the last couple of years, even though it's a different regime. I think they're going to look around. Uh, They have flirted with quarterbacks the last several off seasons, but it's not like they're just trying to get anybody right. I mean, they flirted with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, like that's the guys that they're looking at. So I don't think they just want to move on for the sake of moving on. I don't think Derek Carr is that type of player. I think he's a more than serviceable player. He's a very good player, but if you have a chance to get better, I think they're going to look at opportunities to do that potentially. Uh, I, I listen. I this is not my take. I've, I've said this a couple times, and people get all mad at me um, because they do think it's a downgrade, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. But you also have to think about the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely leaving San Francisco and McDaniels and Ziegler are both from new England. Like, I don't think it's completely out of the mm-hmm. question that they would look in that direction, even as just a bridge while they maybe draft somebody and bring them up. Um, I don't think that's a crazy thought. Uh, I, I don't think Garoppolo is necessarily better than Carr, but he might fit the system better. And, you know, they're comfortable with him and, you know, not necessarily tied long-term to Derek Carr with an extension. Uh, so we'll see how that goes.
1: Adam uh, staying in the division uh, just a real quick question here and we've talked about the Denver Broncos that they have been kind of shortened in terms of the Super Bowl futures I've seen 15 16 to 1 where books don't want to get exposed in case Aaron Rodgers ends up going there to Denver that's been at least one of the rumors out there based on what you hear from your sources in Denver where do you kind of expect the direction this organization is going to go with the new ownership.
3: Oh man. It's really, it's kind of interesting that I've had some huge arguments with people from Denver. I have a lot of good friends in the media there and uh, we like to, to talk about it. I think Denver is in a really good position everywhere but the quarterback and obviously that's the most important position but I I think they have weapons all over the place on offense I still believe in Jerry Judy even though he struggled a little bit with inconsistency I think he'd be a really good player I think they got weapons all over the field on offense and I think they've still got a good defense despite getting rid of you know a big star like Von Miller I think they've got some good pieces there I I think they are more than capable of plugging a quarterback in and being a very good team uh, with just a couple of adjustments now people in Denver tell me I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm (laughs) talking about and, and they don't they don't have any talent on the Roster, but I think it's tougher to see there's talent there if the quarterback is not playing at a high level. And I think if you brought in a a you know a legit listen, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but he is what he is. I think if you brought in a legitimate top end quarterback, things change very quickly. So yeah, if Aaron Rodgers was there, if Russell Wilson was there, I would look at that team as a, as a true contender. Although anybody in the AFC is really up against it for the next couple of years, it is. Just a loaded conference. And if I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd be looking for a team in the NFC to play for.
2: Only have thirty seconds left, Adam, but because you are a man about town and I know the bachelor party's probably still sinking in here, but you <laughs> were practiced at the Pro Bowl. Can you can you glean anything for this line? I think it's one right now, AFC versus NFC.
3: Uh, The AFC is going to try a fake field goal if that helps anybody with any props anywhere. Uh, Also, (laughs) Stephon Diggs Diggs will throw a pass, I think. Uh, That's about it.
2: Adam, love having you on, man. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, Try not to to party too hard with the boys. Adam Hill, Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, Really appreciate the time and the information as always.
3: Sure, anytime, guys.
2: All right, there he is, uh, Wes. Thank you, Adam. That's a pretty good prop scenario, right? Stephon Diggs will throw a pass if you can find that prop in the Pro Bowl, according to Adam. All right, much more to get to. We'll update uh, golf, college, basketball, and, of course, talk much more Super Bowl props. Come on back, Betting Across America, on these these Sports
0: Betting Networks.
2: you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using the bonus code VEASAN1000 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you're also going to get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Simply download the BetMGM app or go to BetMGM.com and enter the bonus code VEASAN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or old to wager new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is now withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook. Joined once again by Wes Reynolds over at Mandalay Bay. And Wes, again, as we get eight days away, I cannot believe it, from the final regular season, well, championship game of the year here before we get to the regular season in 2022. Let's talk about Rams' first TD score and the props associated with that. Now, Cooper Cup, obviously, is going to be the shortest number on the board at plus 320 because, obviously, when you look for MVP, it's quarterback, quarterback, and then Cooper Cup. So you can understand why that is. Cam Akers, who's had some trouble with ball security here, as we saw in Tampa Bay, plus 500, To get that first touchdown for the Rams. OBJ at plus 600. Then you go to Sonny Michelle. Which actually intrigues me more than Cam Akers. In a goal line situation. Maybe somebody they trust more. Mm -hmm. And then you get to Tyler Higby there. And we're assuming that he's going to be able to play in this one. At plus 900. Kendall Blanton another tight end. At 10 to 1. Not that much further off the board. And Van Jefferson at 10 to 1. And then you go special teams. Uh, They don't score a touchdown. And or Matthew Stafford on a potential sneak scenario. Is it. You know, at at plus 320, and yes, it's chalky, but it does feel like they look for Cooper Cup, whether it's, you know, inside the 50, whether it's inside the 10, that is normally their number one option.
1: Yeah, and uh, if you look at uh, what we've seen so far, Cup did get the first touchdown, by the way, last week in the NFC Championship game. It's been three different guys so far in the playoffs of the Rams. It was Odell Beckham against uh, the Arizona Cardinals, and then it was the launch shot, Kendall Blanton, who I believe that was his first touchdown of the season so far. So keep in mind if you're playing some of that Kendall Blanton, it's like, I don't know if they, like, just discovered him and he's just this revelation right now where they're going to throw to him all the time. So there's a reason why he's still a longer price. But to your point here, if I was going first TD score just on the Rams' side, I would look at Michelle in terms of goal line situation. He's a little bit more sure-handed with the ball. We remember that Cam Akers... uh, by the way, did fumble twice against yes. the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that divisional round. And Akers did get a lot of the early carries though in that game at uh- but he only ended up with 13 carries for 48 yards, and he had most of those yards in the first half. So that's something also to look at to see that maybe, you know, Michelle is going to get a little bit more uses than you think because it was very much one-sided for Akers the first time against Tampa Bay in that uh, playoff game where he had 24 carries and Michelle hardly touched the ball. Last week it was Akers 13 for 48, Michelle 10 for 16. They're going to use Sony Michelle mainly in short-yardage situations and probably near the goal line. So the two I would be looking at is Sonny Michelle and then the old trusty tight end, Tyler Higby, because I often think that you get good good numbers on some of those tight ends. Now, this is a little bit less of a good number than you would normally get if this was like a regular season game or something like that. But those are the two I would be looking at.
2: Right there with you on Sonny Michelle, because I don't know how much you can still trust Cam Akers in a goal line situation. Again, it seemed like a, a play at the time at the end of the first half against the Buccaneers where they're clearly blowing out the Bucs, it didn't look like it was going to be that big of a factor. It almost turned the whole tone and tenor of that football game around for the Bucs, who eventually got that tied. I wonder if they would trust him in that situation. Very quickly, and this is what I love about, love in air quotes, about Twitter and the GMs and the coaches out there. Because you and I might actually disagree on this with the quarterback sneak. If you're at the one, right? Matthew Stafford is 33-1 to one to get the first touchdown here. And I know a lot of people say, just sneak it! Just sneak it. There are some quarterbacks that are not great sneakers of this. And I don't know that Stafford's a good sneaker. So I know a lot of people like to take those ultimate long shots here. But, Wes, I don't trust Matthew Stafford. In a scenario from the one, I would much rather have a ticket on Sony Michelle and or Cam Akers than I would Matthew Stafford to run it in. Me might even throw it in the Cooper Cupper to one of those tight ends that you mentioned, but why is it in your estimation? And that's why I don't know that there's great value, even at the long shot of 33 to one for certain quarterbacks that are good at the sneak, the art of the sneak and some that are bad at it.
1: Right. And, and look, I don't think Stafford is one of the better sneakers in the league either. And look, uh, I lived in Indianapolis for, for a long time and saw Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning wasn't exactly a sneaker (laughs) either in these spots. Uh, But, you know, and then your smaller quarterbacks, too, like like Breeze and the like. Obviously, Stafford's got some size to him. But when I've got like a real giant quarterback, I'm one of those amongst the uh, cacophony of voices that say, yeah, sneak it. When you've got Justin Herbert, who's like, you know, six foot seven or a Trevor Lawrence or a really big, giant, strong quarterback. And I think Joe Burrow's got some size and he's also got some athleticism and really good vision as well. So Burrow, I think really the the much better sneaker, you would say, than like a Matthew Stafford. But, yeah, not everybody masters the art of the sneak. Somehow it seemed like for so many years only Tom Brady figured this out. Like he was the only guy Tom Brady... that could run a quarterback sneak. But
2: Yeah, how, how does he get right. to – to, like Tom Brady should be the antithesis – of the quarterback you want to sneak mm-hmm. it, right? He looks a little frail, yeah. right? Not the, not the, he's big, yeah. but he's not the biggest, but somehow he's perfected that art. And even Drew Brees, being small in stature, was really good at going over the top. Those two old guys figured it out, right? And some of these young guys just can't figure it out. I, I don't understand how that is. Well. And, Well, I think
1: a lot of it, too, Dave, is, you know, you get a lot more college offense coming into uh, the pro game. I think you see a lot of these teams lining up in shotgun, lining Mm. up in pistol formation. I saw Jacksonville do it earlier this year. Of course, Meyer, a former college coach. So you thought some college offense was going to be coming to that team. And it was about fourth and maybe one, maybe one and a half. And they have him in the shotgun. I'm like, this guy is long and strong. He's six foot six. Line him up under center. I know your offensive line isn't exactly full of pro bowlers, but put head under center's keister. And move up the middle. That guy's a big guy and very tough to stop even when the defense is getting a push. So, yeah, I don't like these teams that do the... uh, That's one of the pet peeves of mine in terms of offense in the NFL and in college as well. When these teams go shotgun on, like, fourth and short. Get under center. Trust your offensive line to get a push. If they get beat up front, then they get beat up front. Then you chew them as they're coming off the field. But, yeah, I I don't like this, you know, where you always feel like you gotta trick them, Dave. I I think too many of these coaches just kind of try to do that in a fourth-and-one situation. And when you've got these speedy guys, and look, the Rams defense, yeah, these are big guys on the D-line, but the Aaron Donalds of the world, they got a lot of speed Mm -hmm. and a lot of quickness kind of in that little five-yard. That's why when you go to the combine in February, they always do like those little 10-yard shuttle runs, Mm -hmm. and they're always looking at that time because they're especially looking at defensive linemen, offensive linemen, linebackers. Those are the times that they really care about because you've got to run in a very short span here. So when you got to, when you're measuring twitch and when you're measuring right. speed, you know, that twitch off the line as soon as the ball is snapped and just getting that timing down. So That's why, you know, I don't – some guys are just good at sneaking here and some guys just have good vision and some guys, you don't want to do that. And I think a lot of coaches, too, worry about that Mahomes factor. If you remember uh, the previous season where he got hurt on that sneak and they had to throw in Chad Henney to go ahead and close out the game against the Cleveland Browns, and obviously a playoff game is an elimination game, and you don't necessarily want that scenario. You hope your backup is ready, and Chad Henney was. But that's why I think, like the Chiefs, you don't see Mahomes Mahomes really do that, and I know he's not a really tall guy, but you don't really see him sneak very often.
2: Yeah, I totally agree on that assessment. Again, we're, we're when we come back, we will talk a little bit more about the Bengals because Joe Burrow is 20-1 to get the first touchdown uh, if he was going to sneak one in for the Bengals. But so let's stay with the Rams here uh, to, to finish off this conversation. We talked about the tight ends here, and again, we're assuming that Tyler Higbee is going to be closer to 100% uh, in, this, uh, in this championship game. But how about the Odell Beckham Jr. one? You mentioned that he got the first touchdown last week against Arizona in the first round of the playoffs. Is he now becoming a potential goal line guy here? Or you think of Odell maybe taking the top off the defense at plus 600, any value there for OBJ?
1: I, you know, there could be. And I, and I think that they've done a good job getting him involved, obviously. And uh, Beckham, yeah, he was the first guy in the Cardinals game. It was Cup last week. But, you know... Cup is going to do like a lot of the dirty work, the underneath in terms of uh, getting the yards after catch. And he's old reliable. And, you know, Odell Beckham, I think, is understand that. He, he hasn't really, haven't really heard him complain about, no. hey, why is this guy getting all of this? It's like, okay, I'm going to do my job and contribute to the team and see if I can get a Super Bowl ring here and keep my mouth shut about it. And I think he's done a very good job. And I think, quite frankly, Stafford has gotten him involved enough and gotten him the targets, get him the ball, let him make some plays in space. So, yeah, you absolutely could see it. We've seen Cup, Beckham, and then the long shot for the Rams, Blanton, who I don't think that lightning's going to strike twice for Kendall Blanton
2: here. No, again, all those through the air for their first touchdowns so far in the postseason. All right, when we come back, we will talk about the Bengals and their first touchdown score props. And also, is there an angle to the Pro Bowl? Wes Reynolds will break that down. Come on back. It's BCD
0: Sports Betting Network.